Today on the podcast, it's been almost a month since the Supreme Court's bombshell ruling on the Texas abortion law, and boy, have there been a lot of lawsuits filed since then. We're going to sort through all of this litigation and figure out where this is all heading. Hello, you're listening to On the Merits, the weekly legal news podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. Sometimes a Supreme Court ruling can really be the final word on a given legal dispute. And then sometimes, well, sometimes there's a ruling like the September 1st opinion in Whole Women's Health v. Jackson. This was when the Supreme Court allowed a new Texas law that puts tight restrictions on abortion access to take effect. This raised a lot more questions than it answered, and it also led to a lot of new litigation. And today we're going to sort through some of the main lawsuits that have been filed since that ruling. Joining me are Bloomberg Law reporters Lydia Wheeler and Marianne Pazanowski. I started off by asking Marianne to remind us exactly what this Texas law does. Well, first off, this is a pretty classic six-week abortion ban. A lot of states have tried to um, pass these. A lot of them have been already struck down. What Texas's does that's different is it not only bans providers from giving women abortions after the six-week mark, uh, it also puts the enforcement power in the hands of private citizens as opposed to the state officials. And that's really what makes this law different from any of the others that we've seen before and what's making it very difficult for providers to fight it. Um, Also interesting is it gives people a right to sue anybody who assists in an abortion. And that's a really, really broad concept. The law doesn't have a, it it doesn't appear to have a knowledge element to it. So maybe somebody who just drives a woman to an abortion clinic without actually knowing that she's more than six weeks pregnant and she wants to have an abortion potentially could be liable under this law. And then Lydia, let's talk about the Supreme Court ruling uh, in this case. Um, you know, it it was a little ambiguous, I get the sense, or maybe it wasn't. Uh, it just wasn't on the merits of the law. Can you talk about what the Supreme Court uh, did here and, and how that kind of opened the door to uh, a lot of confusion? Right. So, um, so this issue actually came before the court on what's called the court's shadow docket. Um, this is where the court issues emergency orders and summary decisions um, without the usual extended briefing and oral argument. Um, so here we had a group of abortion providers that asked the court to block the law um, after the district court and the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit refused. Um, in a 5-4 vote, the justices also refused and allowed the law to take effect um, on September 1st. Now, the court's majority, you know, acknowledged that these providers had raised some serious questions about the constitutionality of the law, um, but they said that they hadn't shown how that they could overcome the procedural hurdles, you know, created by the law's unusual delegation of enforcement powers, which Marianne was just referring to. So, uh, you know, it gets back to this classic Supreme Court thing of standing. Who has standing to sue? Who doesn't? Uh, that's the that's the real crux of the issue. Is that right, Marianne? Uh, well, that's part of it. Yeah. In this case, it's not did the provider plaintiffs have standing to sue. It's did they sue the right people? Uh, and that's what, and the Fifth Circuit said no, they didn't sue the right pre- people. These these um, judges and court clerks and um, there were some state officials named in that suit as well. People like the head of the pharmacy board and the head of the medical licensing board. Uh, that those people don't have any 
authority whatsoever to, to enforce this law, and therefore they weren't the proper defendants. And that's really all that came in front of the Supreme Court at this point. Okay, so that was uh, a few weeks ago. Where are we at now? Uh, what I'm really interested in is, you know, the litigation in the lower courts since then. Um, what's been going on with that? Lydia, why don't you start us off there? So right now, we actually kind of have like these three buckets of litigation kind of happening all at once. So there's this case pending at the Supreme Court that we've just been talking about. The Department of Justice actually filed its own lawsuit against the state of Texas challenging this law. Um, And now we have two lawsuits that have been filed in state court. um, And those were brought against a doctor named Alan Braid, um, who wrote a column that appeared in the Washington Post saying that he had violated the law. And then shortly thereafter, these two lawsuits um, were filed, showed up, um, and they actually come from residents that are out of the state of Texas. And we have one from a man in Arkansas who's actually a disbarred uh, tax attorney, and we have another one from a disbarred lawyer in the state of Illinois. Uh, That's interesting. Um, These sound like some interesting characters. Uh, And to make matters more interesting, I gather from your reporting that these two uh, fellows who are suing uh, are want the law to be overturned. They are, you know, against the Texas law. What's going on here? This seems very strange. Right. Um, so, you know, that's what's so interesting about these lawsuits is that they were filed by people who actually um, believe in that abortion should be legal. Uh, I chatted with one of the gentlemen, the Arkansas um you know, disbarred attorney uh, who filed his litigation, you know, and he said he basically just his whole goal is to get uh, a straight, you know, a straight ruling on this from a judge and that he believes in a woman's right to choose. Um, You know, and he said that despite, um, you know, what's also interesting about him is he's currently on home confinement um, for tax fraud. Um, Well, aren't we all on home confinement, right? Uh, You know, (laughs) but, um, you know, he said that, Despite, you know, his felony conviction, you know, he's just as good as anybody and he can bring a lawsuit. Um, And that is what Texas's law allows is it basically, you know, permits anybody in the whole wide world to bring a lawsuit forward. Um, So he says he's just as good as anybody else. And, you know, he he wants to get this law before a judge to to get a straight ruling on it. There's another um, another group of state law state court cases, and those were brought by particular provider groups like Planned Parenthood um, against groups like Texas Right to Life. And what they were seeking in those cases initially was an injunction to prevent those particular defendants from suing them under Section uh, under SB 8. And they've actually won injunctions. Now, where those suits are going now is they also claim that the law is unconstitutional under the Texas Constitution. And we should be seeing briefing probably no later than December. Yeah, that's a really good point that we're talking about uh, federal lawsuits, but there's a whole other layer here in state court that's going on, which makes it even more complicated. Marianne, I wanted to uh, focus on the DOJ suit because, uh, as we all know, the Department of Justice has a lot of legal firepower. Um, What's going on with that? And do you think that that could um, successfully overturn the Texas law either in the near term or the medium term? I would be surprised if it gets past the Fifth Circuit, given what they've already done. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, The Western District of Texas, where they brought the suit, is hearing oral argument on a preliminary injunction, temporary restraining order motion on October 1st. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Western District 
issue an injunction, I would be surprised to see the Fifth Circuit uphold it. Overall, though, it sounds like based on those stories that you guys have written, I'm getting the sense that we're really not going to get a resolution here until someone actually gets hit with one of these $10,000 fines. And then that will set up a sort of lawsuit that's ripe enough to to get a ruling on the merits. Uh, Lydia, why don't we start off with you? Do you think that's true? Or uh, do you think we can get, um, you know, a ruling, I guess, on the merits before then, before someone actually gets hit with a fine? Um, well, it's not so much hit by a fine. It's, you know, the lawsuits, when you bring a civil lawsuit forward, um, you know, what they can get in damages against someone, you know, a judgment against someone is 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 $10,000. Um, so the lawsuit kind of has to come first before they get fined for violating the law. That's true. But but it is quite possible that, you know, it could be a long time before we get a ruling, um, you know, here. It's it's unclear if Oscar Stilley and Philippe Gomez, those are the two, you know, attorneys who, or disbarred attorneys who filed these, you know, lawsuits in state court against that one doctor who violated the law. Uh, it's unclear if they actually have standing, if a court will decide that they do, despite what the law says. Um, because they're out of state and they don't really have a lot of stake in this. I mean, they don't know the woman that, you know, the abortion was performed on. They don't know the doctor. They're not even Texas residents. So it's unclear if a court would actually, you know, think that they're, you know, these are viable lawsuits. Um, So, you know, we might have to wait for another state court challenge to come forward. And then, you know, also in the meantime, you have this, you know, the Department of Justice lawsuit playing out and at the Supreme Court, and it, it could be a while. Marianne, what do you think? Yeah, I I agree. Uh, I think these suits have a long way to go. And if they don't get dismissed on standing issues, I mean, these guys have no stake in the game whatsoever. Uh, And and that's uh, that's a key um, requirement of Article 3 standing under the Constitution. You have to show a concrete injury. Well, they haven't been injured in any way, shape or form, as far as we can tell. and there are other things. Did they bring it in the right court? Did they, you know, venue is, is important. Also, to add to this, there actually has been, or uh, the Center for Reproductive Rights filed a petition for certiorari in the Supreme Court last week, asking them to review the Fifth Circuit's decision that the court didn't have jurisdiction over the federal officials. They've asked for expedited review. They want review as early as December um, on whether or not they can actually sue the officials to stop this lawsuit. Oh, man. Uh, I feel like I need one of those uh, cork boards with push pins and like string to just keep track of all the different, you know, avenues of litigation here. Uh, However, we're just talking about the Texas law. Uh, It sounds like there are a lot of other states or at least a few other states that saw what happened with the Supreme Court and are moving forward with their own versions of uh, you know this type of law, could we see multi-state litigation or or you know this type of like thicket of lawsuits in dozens of states? Is that something that's possible? Um, I mean, possible, yeah. Other states here have already said that they're interested in following in Texas's footsteps. Um, you know, states including Nebraska and Florida, from what I've heard. Um, you know, but so we could see multiple states issuing similar laws like this um, to the, you know, that deal with abortion, but also just outside of the abortion context, there's nothing stopping states from kind of following in Texas footsteps and just creating laws on other issues that have this same sort of unique enforcement mechanism. Ooh, I hadn't even thought about that. Like, what do you mean? What's an example of that? 
Um, like, you know, some law professors that I chatted with actually said that, you know, that this could be done on the other side of the aisle, that Democrats could actually take something like this if they wanted to kind of crack down on on gun rights um, and, you know, limit, you know, um, assault weapons and um, and create the enforcement power in a similar way, which is basically like deputizing private citizens, you know, to kind of bring a lawsuit against anybody who violates, you know, a, a ban on assault weapons. Wow. And actually, there are some law scholars that say that that Democrats actually have an obligation to try to do things like that, you know, and and do what Texas has done here and, you know, to get their policy issues moving forward. Because it's like, hey, you know, what's what's good for the goose is good for the gander, you know. So this this public right of action thing could really be a a Pandora's box where once you open it, you can't shut it. It could be. Um, I actually found some... um, a blog discussing some historians' viewpoint, and they said that that this, the closest example they could find to this law was the Fugitive Slave Act of like 1850, uh, and look what happened there. <laughs> so, okay, finally, um, let's talk about how, when this will get back to to the Supreme Court, because as we mentioned, the Supreme Court did not rule on the merits; they ruled on the shadow docket. The case was not fully briefed. When do you think uh, will the next opportunity the Supreme Court will have to rule on this specific law will be? Um, will it? Do you think it'll even be in this term? Uh, Marianne, why don't you go first? Well, as I said, CRR said that they filed that petition for certiorari last week, asking the court to take a look at you know whether um, the state was doing something it shouldn't have done when it uh, put the enforcement power into private hands. They asked for expedited review. I looked on the court's docket today. That petition has not been docketed yet. The state will have a chance to um, reply to that, to, uh, to file a response. Then there'll be a reply. The idea that it could be argued as early as December, to me, seems unreasonable. That would be really fast. It would be really, really fast. Um, but the court has expedited things in the past, and they have added extra um, argument time to look at things like um, like the Affordable Care Act and, and things like that. Lydia, what do you think? When is when is the Supreme Court going to get their next uh, stab at this? I think Marianne said it right that you know the Supreme Court has done expedited reviews of cases before. They've had argument. They've added argument time. Um, you know, heard more cases in a month than they typically do. Um, basically, what's good to remember here is that the Supreme Court does what it wants. Um, so. It kind of remains to be seen. We all just kind of have to sit and wait and see what they want to do with this one. Yeah. All right. Well, that was Lydia Wheeler and Marianne Pazanowski, uh, both splendid reporters on Bloomberg Law's uh, news desks. Uh, thank you guys both for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks, David. Thank you, David. That'll do it for today's episode of On the Merits. It was produced by myself. Our editor is Jessica Coombs, and our executive producer is Josh Block. Reach out to us on Twitter if you have anything on your mind. We use the handle at B-Law. That's B as in, I just got back from the beach and I'm feeling great. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we will see you next week. You don't need to be a judge to be interested in our nation's laws and legal institutions. Just like you don't need to have a law degree to be curious about the inner workings of courts, law firms, and law schools. That's where we come in. My name's Adam Allington, and I'm the host of Uncommon Law, a podcast from the Bloomberg Industry Group. Uncommon Law is where public policy, storytelling, and the law are combined. 
We explore big topics ranging from tech policy to free speech to race and gender diversity. So please give us a listen. You can subscribe and download today. Just search for Uncommon Law wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much.